everyone. Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by Ben Whitehair. Ben, like many creatives, enjoys wearing a lot of hats. As an actor, he's worked on The Night Shift, Better Call Saul, Grimm, Manhattan, and Monsters of God. His passion for service led him to SAG-AFTRA, where he's volunteered years of his time in an effort to support members. He's the chair of the National Next Gen Performers Committee. Today, we also talk about one of Ben's other strengths, social media. A social media guru, he co-founded TSMA Consulting and is sharing some of his key advice for putting your best digital foot forward. Please join me in welcoming Ben Whitehair to the show. Well, hello there, Ben Whitehair. Thanks for joining us today. Why, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Can you start us off with your journey into the entertainment industry and what was your, your direct route to Hollywood? Because it's a fun story. Um, well, I, I don't know how direct it was. I, I was not one of those people who wanted to be an actor as a kid or anything. Um, I actually grew up on a ranch for most of my childhood. I was a a homeschooled cowboy. I'm actually a a champion sheep and dairy cow showman. I sold my champion sheep and used that money to buy parts to build a computer like most of you. And, uh, and then I ended up going to a big public high school and took an intro to theater class and fell in love. And I got like, I auditioned for the play and I got one line um, in this terrible production of Dark at the Top of the Stairs, just awful. And everybody knew it was awful, but everybody had so much fun and I had a blast and I was like, you know, if I have this much fun in a crappy production, Uh I bet I have even more fun if it's good. Uh, And so I I just stuck with it through high school and then in college, um, I was like, I'll be a theater, I'll double major in theater and, uh, and biochemistry like my most kids. And then um, organic chemistry kicked my ass. I switched to political science and I had a, a minor in leadership. And then it was around junior year that I started really looking at like, okay, what, what do I want to do? And my, my best friend um, in high school, and actually we're still friends, uh, Teju, he shared with me this Howard Thurman quote, ask not what the world needs, ask what has you come alive what the world needs are people who have come alive. And I thought, you know, the thing that has me come most alive is acting. And there are millions of people in LA and plenty of people who are actors, like I, maybe I'd give that a shot. And so, uh, and so I, I did, I interned for Congress in DC. I've been very involved with uh, social issues um, throughout my life. And so I was debating, do I wanna to move to DC and work on the Hill, move to LA, be an actor and, uh, and here I am. So. Uh, decided to move to Los Angeles. I had started a company in college that I was running with my with my buddy, who I still work with on another company. I actually just got off a call with them, and so was I've been doing the entrepreneur thing throughout the my whole time as an actor, and that has allowed me to pay the bills when acting doesn't. And uh, really, in a way, it was just following my heart, and I've been so grateful that I have. I I love this industry and I love what artists are about and what we create for society and I think it's needed now more than ever. My attempt at sarcasm there because you are our first fellow homeschooler that has joined the podcast. Yeah, represent. <laughs> we a special breed. Um, and then also coming from like farm life to LA. Uh-huh. It's a little different, that LA traffic, a little different. Uh, right. A little bit, a little bit different from a town of, I think the population was like maybe 8,000 mm. where I was living. Yeah. Dude, you know, now my apartment complex population is like 8,000. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's quite the change. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's dive right into acting. What is your favorite and least favorite parts of the audition process? Oh, man. Mm. Um, 
I actually really like auditioning. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a chance to perform. I like meeting new people. I like getting to work on new material. And, you know, statistically speaking, even in the most successful career, you know, only one of five, one of 10 of those projects maybe uh, are going to be things that I work on. And I like that I still get to, at least in a short part, work on that project, meet some new people, explore a new character. Like, I really enjoy that. Um, Certainly a lot of my auditions these days are self-tapes. And and I actually really enjoy that process as well. I have a couple of friends who I do them with. And it's almost like a, a mini acting class. You know, we really get to dive in and explore things. And I have found that I explore more in my self-tape auditions than I often give myself permission to do in the room because I know if it doesn't work, I can just do it over again. Whereas in the room, it's like, it takes some huge risk. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm like, ah, all right, well, we'll see. So, uh, so I actually really like that part of the process. I, I mean, I don't like the traffic. I don't like driving around. And I think that part can be stressful sometimes, but, um, but there's not that much that I don't enjoy. I've also, I think, come to terms and am at peace with the, the, the idea that it is statistically unlikely that I'm going to book any project. And so I've gotten better about just like taking that pressure off. Like it's not about booking the project. It's about booking the room mm-hmm. and meeting people and getting to go explore as an artist. And I think as I've gone forward in my career, that's, I've gotten better and better at that. And I think it's made a, a real difference. And I think that's a big difference of the happy actors and those that get frustrated is when you can enjoy meeting people and understand the more often you go into the same office, they are championing for you and they are trying to get you a job. And there's 100%. so many decision makers beyond that casting director's chair. Um, and I think that's a real difference. And also being open-minded when you don't book something, but then you see it go all the way to life and see how much it's changed to be able to be objective and see like, it wasn't your role. It was someone else's. Yeah. There's well, and I've- that comes from that. Yeah. And I've, I've booked jobs from things that I auditioned for years before and didn't get, and then they reached back out. I've had that happen and seeing like, it's just not about you, you know, for anybody who's produced their own project or been on the other side of that table, you realize, Oh, you, you might have had the best audition, but you just don't fit the role and that that's okay. And to not define our success by the booking, like the audition itself means you're in the top 1% of one percent of actors like there are 5,000 ish roles uh, actors submitted for any given role in Los Angeles and they're auditioning what maybe 50 people probably less than that so that already you're in the top one percent just to get the audition so like that is a win and then I'm not losing anything I had a casting director tell me this mindset early on they said you know actors say like oh I got rejected or I lost that role it's like you didn't have it to start with you went to the audition. You didn't lose anything. Like nothing changed. You didn't have it before you went in. You don't have it now. You didn't lose anything. Nothing changed. And so to view it as that opportunity to say, yeah, this is my chance to go perform. And, and that may be the only chance I get that week yeah. to act uh, or to act with other people. And yeah. I really cherish that. Yeah. Now, how do you like to prepare your materials, be it for an audition or on set? And how do you just get centered and find your character? I'm a, I'm a big text-based person as a starting point. Like I just tend to pour over my sides. I, I, at least for myself, find that generally I have more freedom when I'm super off book 
and memorize, which I'm fortunate. I've, I've done it enough. I've practiced enough and my brain just works that way. So it's pretty easy for me to get off book, but that is a starting point for me. Yeah. And I also, I had an acting coach, Lee Kilton Smith, who I started working with a couple of years ago. And she has you memorize your lines without emotion. So it's just wow. because, because you otherwise you'll memorize the emotion and then do it the same way every time and lack of a freedom and a flexibility. So that's something that I've practiced that's been really helpful is to memorize the lines, but without emotion. And I'll do like, I'll record it for myself or I'll use the yeah. rehearsal pro app and go through. And so have it memorized sans emotion, very dry, just the lines. Mm -hmm. So then I can, and I've found that's helped me be better at really being facile with the character and getting to play around with it. Um, and I, I really do play off of other people. Like that's certainly a, a thing. So certainly as much as I can pulling, eh, I guess a rather Stanislavski type approach of what in my own life is similar and who this character is and being curious about that in the world. And then increasingly I practice as an artist getting things from the relationship and from the other person, or even in the audition, using the reader uh, as something, because my trap as an actor is that I self-generate everything and I do like a one-man show that the other person doesn't even need to be there for. And then it's yeah. not like, there's no relationship. Cause like I'm bringing it all. And it's tough because in auditions you, in a way they sort of lend themselves to that because you're not necessarily getting a performance back. So I've really practiced even, again, even in an audition from the reader, that's probably why I like self tapes. Cause it's generally with an actor friend of mine who is giving me a performance yeah. and we can play off and have chemistry, but then particularly on set creating and building off that relationship is one of my favorite things. Amazing. Now, just for fun, most yeah. actors have at least one audition gone wrong story or something Ooh. that was just like so crazy what you were asked to do in the room or it was a commercial and it was a uh, audition. I mean. I, I, yep, I was like, I don't know if I, oh, yep, I do. Oh, yeah. I, Sometimes we just bury them a little deep. Yeah, it was buried a little there. deeply. Then I was like, there oh, yep, no, it's there. <laughs> I, I auditioned for a project and it was like on Actors Access and the pay was pretty good. Um, uh, and the, the audition was like, it was like a romantic scene. And in the sides, it said um, that there were like sexual situations, like must be comfortable with like sexuality, which is relatively common. And it was like, okay, yeah, like uh, sure. These characters, you know, even like people will have sex in a scene or whatever that's like a legitimate production. Yeah. Um, fast forward to the callback where they asked me to take my shirt off and I was like trying to find, I couldn't find the project and it was like season two of a series. And then I finally, finally found it on like a softcore porn site. And it was like a softcore porn um, uh, like project. And I, and I, I was like, oh, Oh no. Oh, that's, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. Should I do it? No, I can't. Oh, eh. And then, and I was like, whatever, I'm not going to book it. It doesn't matter. And then I booked it <laughs> and they called me and I was like, Oh my God. And I think I, I think I ended up making up some story about like my grandma dying or something and I wasn't going to be available for the shoot. So I ended up not doing it, but yeah, that was, um, uh, yeah, that was my thing. You almost went to another part of the industry. I, I did almost. Yeah. Wow, okay, that was, that was a pretty good one. Now, two of the biggest roadblocks for most actors is finding the right agent and then also getting their union mm. card. So how did yes. you achieve those two um, really like hard hurdles in, when you started out? Um, 
so agent wise, um, in a way I have, I've had some agents who've really helped my career. Uh-huh. I have booked a lot of things either on my own or at least dramatically supported by my relationships. And I'm a big believer in teaching actors the framework of like, even if you have an amazing agent, they get 10%, which mm-hmm. how would it be fair for us to expect them to do more than 10% of the work? Yeah. It is so much on us. So like my very first commercial agent, I actually got via Twitter, via social media. Well, that relates the relationship started there. We'd like had a, an ongoing relationship and talk on Twitter. And then she was going to a, um, uh, going to a, a holiday party that I was also going to be at. Mm. And, um, and so we ended up like meeting in person there. And then I ended up going to her, uh, she, at the end of that conversation, like we're just building the relationship. I wasn't asking her to be my agent or anything. And then she asked, she said, you know, Hey, is there anything, um, you know, do you have an agent? And I was like, Oh no, I don't. She's like, Oh, you should drop your materials off. You know, you should send me your materials. And so I, to the next day I, I took in my headshot and resume, to the to her office and and that was my first uh first commercial agent wow and then how did you get your sign card so uh yeah i actually so i actually back before the unions merged i joined uh aftra you could just pay to join so i had joined aftra and then i did uh like basically a new media web show series thing that um like a nonprofit i was involved with uh, was doing and that's what got me eligible for legacy SAG and then um, and then I did an episode of CSM Miami and I was a must join and then and that was like all right around the same time that the unions merged so mm-hmm. as they merged I became a full-fledged member of SAG-AFTRA. Wow. And we will talk more later because you were also the chair of the National Next Gen Committee. We're gonna yeah. dive into that a little bit more later. Um, now what is a piece of advice that you received as an actor that you wish you hadn't taken? Something that either cost you- well, I love that question. Money or heart or effort, something that just wasn't for you. I mean, on, on one hand, I feel like everything I've done, I've learned from. So I, yeah. you know, uh, that's been part of the journey. I will say that I think there, there, I think there are often times where it's important to look at the context of who is telling you what information. So, you know, for example, I think most casting directors or agents you talk to, uh, the story I just told is a good example, will tell you never to do a drop off. Like, don't go to you, don't come to the office, don't bring us your stuff, blah, blah, blah. Given, given like the current world, uh, state of health, you know, maybe this is advice is a little bit different, but you know, that where to me where that advice comes from is if every actor went and did that, it would be insane. And many actors are not ready for it for that, uh, agent or to be on TV. Like you're brand new and frankly, like you just don't quite have the skill set yet to do that and aren't ready. So, um, the, uh, I, I think that advice it's just important to couch in the context of it because again, it's coming from their experience, which is that often actors are not ready or they do it in a bad way. But if you practice professionalism, if you're mindful of those things, if you're not 
coming from a place of desperation. Like there's a lot of different elements. And if those things are true, then the advice changes. But that's a pretty nuanced thing to say in the middle of a class or on Twitter or whatever. So I think, you know, a lot of the general advice that's given to actors uh, is well-meaning, but is important to put into context. And if you're the kind of actor who's taking this business really seriously and you are professional and you do have experience, I think the advice changes. And so I, I've learned a few times to say, actually, you know what, that advice they're giving is not for me. It is, it perhaps applies in a general sense, but is not, I actually don't need to listen to that. I completely agree with that. And I think a lot of actors, they don't have that self-awareness which is so important to know yeah. what is for them and what is their time. And I started, actually, I have, a, I have an online business academy and coaching community for actors that I started called Working.Actor. Um, and I, I talk a lot about that. And it's like all these things, how to get an agent, how to book work and networking and all that, and, and talk a lot about those pieces of the mindset. And any, I think the advice I would give to any actor is like if someone is giving you advice, ask a follow-up question as to like, what is the thinking behind that? Like why that advice? Because I think we often go, well, how do I get an agent? And to me, a more effective question is like, what's the ideal mindset to get an agent? Because there are tactics. Like I have a friend who got an agent because of a car accident they got into. They like ran into somebody and like everyone was okay, but they ended up talking and an actor and like, then that person became my friend's agent. And I think my friend is like rear ended them. I think, uh, Right. But so that's not my advice. My advice is not to like go out into LA and rear end people hoping it's an agent. Right. But yeah, that, that mindset of building relationships and adding value and being a good person and, and, and then practicing all the different tactics. You never know what, which one's actually going to work. You started the social media agency and that's a, a big part of our conversation today. And I would love just a backstory of you've started businesses in college. You've always yeah. been a really entrepreneur spirit, but how, did this one project come about and why was it important for you to start? Yeah, so I, well, credit where credit's due. My, my business partner, Ryan Walker, is the one who started TSMA specifically. Mm-hmm. And we met because we were both teaching at SAG-AFTRA. I was teaching classes on social media and particularly around like relationships and building mm-hmm. relationships through social media and using that to forward your career. Um, and he was teaching some classes as well on like building a presence online and particularly around Instagram and how do you, leverage your career that way and so you know we got to know each other and it was like you're you're teaching social media and you care about actors and entertainment and you're teaching social media and you care about actors and entertainment we should find a way to work together and so we had you know uh become uh friends a bit and just continue those conversations and then given my um background in entrepreneurship and business and all of that that that's really what turned it into a more formal me coming on board of of ryan's company uh and it's been great. I've been doing that now for, I think, a couple of years. And it's been really exciting to see not just the growth of the company, but like the stories of our, of our clients who are getting more auditions, whose careers are taking off, who are being able to leverage uh, the audience maybe they already have to make money. And now they're supplementing their income or some have a full-time income and don't need to worry about booking acting jobs because they have enough money from their social media and doing so in a way that's authentic and to me supports us as artists. Like we, almost every artist I know, I would venture to say every artist I know has a message and a a meaning behind the art that they do. And to me, I think social media can be scary for a lot of people, but shifting the mindset to say, how can I 
use this to further my art and to further my message. Like the reason I'm an artist in the first place, yeah. I think social media is a really great way to do that. And just by merits of the 21st century, I think it's a necessary business tool. Being an actor is being a business. Um, my current commercial agent, I got in part because of my Instagram presence. My friend was at coffee with this agent, said, hey, you should meet my friend Ben. He's looking for a commercial agent. He's great. And her first question was, cool, what's his Instagram? And she immediately pulled out my Instagram. And I have a small following relative to like, you know, influencers in the space or otherwise. And I think that was part of it. But even beyond that, I have a profile where it's really clear who I am, what I care about, what I look like. It's professional. You get a sense of how you would cast me, the kind of person I am. And I think to me, it's the new website in a lot of ways. Actually, I used to be a, well, I call myself a recovering web designer. I actually just finished launching another website yesterday. I do a lot of web design, much to my own chagrin. But it's, it's even more useful than a website in many ways because people can immediately get a sense of who you are. And if you haven't taken your online presence seriously, that impression they get may not be the one that you want. You know, yeah. So you want a presence that matches the quality of your brand and who you are as an artist. Um, what are the key things that all actors should focus on when building and establishing their social channels, their brand? And this is more for actors specifically yeah. when they're, they're going into that space. Well, interestingly, it's, it's the same in a lot of ways for a business as an actor, as anyone. It's a lot of the same foundational pieces. And so like when we take on a new client, you know, the first thing we do and what people could do listening to this right now is basically an audit and a revamp of their profile. I'm talking primarily about Instagram, though I would say this applies to any of the social channels, though I think Instagram is the best place for people in entertainment to focus in terms of which social media platform. Yeah. Starting with the handle, like is your handle, your does it include your first name and your last name? Is it easy to say on a red carpet so that people can find you? Ideally no, like underscores or punctuation. Is your profile photo a professional photo that looks like you? I, I'm not a huge fan of a super headshotty type photo that's like, hey, I'm an actor, you know, but so finding, a, but a photo that's high resolution, that looks yeah. like you, archiving, generally will archive most posts that people have up because they just are not high quality, making sure the bio is clear about, you know, mentioning in some way, shape or form that you're an actor, an artist, a storyteller, a producer, whatever, uh, where you're located, right? Yeah. If I'm a casting director, someone who happens upon your profile, I want to know where you are. Um, I, I'm, we recommend generally adding a couple emojis to your bio. It's a very um, uh, international audience on Instagram. So emojis can help with potential fans or followers who uh, maybe English isn't their first language or um, other language barriers there. So just the overall profile and aesthetic and making sure, even if you only have, like everybody starts with zero followers. Even if you're starting your account for the first time, you may have zero followers, that's okay. But optimizing the profile itself to, to again, match that quality of, of who you are as an artist and a performer and have people take you seriously as a, as a professional. In the same way that if you went, if you went to the store and you went to go buy some food and it was in a cardboard box that was like all janky and the design was weird and it wasn't totally clear what it was and there was like a hole in it and the name had like underscores in it, you'd be like, I'm not gonna buy that product. Like I don't trust that company. Yeah. Same deal, you know, in a, in a business sense, we are a product, right? We're selling ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, I, I certainly believe it's more than that as artists, but if you want to make money, you're a product. You're, people are hiring you to deliver a thing. The average cost of a television episode is $3 million. 
$3 million an episode. They're spending $3 million in a week and you are a, a relatively tiny cog in that wheel, an important one, but like that's the business that we're plugging into. And can you get people who are deciding on where to spend these millions of dollars to trust you? And I think a lot of social media presence and otherwise, you know, you only have so many seconds for people to trust you and to believe that you're going to show up to set on time and that you're going to be professional and communicate well and know your lines, right? These basics that matter a lot, especially as you're building your career. And my experience is that when people see your social media presence and it's professional and clean, they go, yeah, okay. I I trust this person, right? It's the packaging of the, the item at the store. Yeah. We have all as actors listened to casting directors talk about an actor sharing something from set that they shouldn't have. And, you know, there's a lot of accidents and missteps that actors can make on social media. But from your stance, what are some of the common but easily avoidable mistakes that actors make on social media? Well, I think the easiest mistake to fix is that people just don't focus on it at all. And so just spending a little bit of time, relatively speaking, I think you can spend a small amount of time and get a lot of benefit. I think the other mistake that we see most often, particularly with actors, is an idea that you have to promote yourself and that all it is is about promoting, 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 and essentially asking people for things. Watch my show, watch my demo reel, donate to my project. If all you're doing is asking for things like that's a turnoff you know we we don't like it when our friends do that on their social media so why do we end up doing it and so I think shifting the mindset from instead of what can I get from this of what can I give how can I add value and there's so many different ways to do that if you're super funny and you're putting things out there that are funny like that's valuable that's one of the reasons why I follow certain accounts and people because I know it's going to be funny and it'll be a bright spot in my day or I know that somebody really cares about, uh, I don't know, inspirational business stuff. And that is adding value to my life. Or I don't know, you have a really adorable puppy. (laughs) Lots of people, big fans of puppies. Like, you know what I mean? So I think expanding what that, what adding value means and can look like, but shifting the mindsets, how can I add value as opposed to just what can I promote? Yeah. Now, one reason that I actually wanted to talk to you about social media, we had casting director, uh, commercial and print, Katie Taylor on the show, and she commented how in the commercial world, especially, that she very often will go and pull numerous screenshots from people's Instagram to present them as a package to the client. And as I was sitting there in that conversation, while I'm, I'm proud of my Instagram, I wasn't thinking when I, you know, post my hiking pictures or whatever, that that's you know, something that a casting director might be pulling from to show to a client. Um, Have you seen any success stories from your clients where you guys have helped shape them into like what they want their brand to be, help them realize that? Have you seen it pay off, especially in the commercial world? Absolutely. And I think commercial print and independent films Mm -hmm. all look to social media even more than the bigger things. Although uh, Ryan was part of where the company came from is he was working in casting. He was helping uh, cast a bunch of projects. He was doing uh, Coco, Pixar, and Narcos, and all these others. And what he was noticing was as soon as the actors left the room, the producers pulled up their IMDb and their Instagram. And they were looking at both, both of those things in the room after the people left. Like, that's what they were looking at. Yeah. And so uh, it's already happening. 
Uh And uh, like commercial print wise, I know not only are casting directors pulling that, but so are agents and managers. We have clients who are like, they're agents and managers like, oh my God, yes, those photo shoots that you're doing for the client that are for their Instagram. Hey, I need to submit it for an audition or I'm submitting to this commercial printing or I've got a client who, you know, her uh, agent follows her on Instagram and will often be like, oh my God, I love that photo. I need to submit that to this project. Oftentimes commercial or print, although they've done it for theatrical projects as well. And I think when you see someone in their, in their element uh-huh. as a human being, it often goes, oh yeah, I can see them as that character or, oh, yeah. you know, wow, Laura looks really, you know, comfortable and at home on her hike. And like, I can just, now I can envision her. Oh yeah. And this character is kind of an outdoorsy person. Like uh-huh. it's a little bit reductionist in a way, but also I think it's important to remember a lot of the people making this decision these decisions are not casting directors. They're not artists. They're, wow. they're, they're, their experience is not to imagine like, oh yeah, we could put a wig on this person. They'll do an accent and you'll totally believe them as this thing. It's like, well, have they been a nurse before? And then like you see a picture of them, you know, uh, wearing a white thing on Instagram and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, they could, they could definitely be a nurse, you know? So yeah, um, yeah we've had many photo shoots that we've done for people that have gotten used people who you know they brought up instagram in the audition room uh you know we we've heard later too that people booked things and that producers and casting or whatever were looking at their instagram or complimented on it like yeah it happens frequently and i I will say i think often people get stuck on the number of followers building an audience matters and you can i mean that's why celebrities get paid all the money because they bring an audience to a project which equals dollars so i do think that that matters and is worth practicing like building up an audience mm-hmm. but i would say i think people get stuck where they well i don't have a million followers so it doesn't matter in these examples that you've pulled the casting director wasn't saying i only pulled photos from people's instagram who had over a million followers yeah. i pulled it for everybody like it's part of your marketing and branding regardless of how much you've built up your audience yet or not. Yeah. And I feel like in the new form of Hollywood where universally we've heard from casting directors, theatrical and commercial, they're going to be bringing far less people into the room for the first round. It's going to be way more on self-tape and way more on your materials that you have online, both that you're handing to them and that they can go and search out. And I think more than ever, it's important to have a clean and precise voice on your social media channels. Yep. Um, now, I want to talk about SAG after for a little bit because we met through union service. Um, can you share why giving back in that way was important to you and how you got involved? Yeah, I, like I said, I've been involved with uh, politics, meaning places that have elected office for, for much of my life. And the reason why I'm passionate about it is because it's a place where you can make large scale change. and yeah you know, SAG-AFTRA impacts so many people on a daily basis and is such a core part of the industry and of protecting artists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly in our community, like we are strongest when we band together and we have tremendous power when we do that. And I think being involved in making sure that our community gets paid fairly, has a future, is able to actually have careers as the industry itself changes rapidly and to have a voice in that, I think is something that's really important to me. So yeah. that's that's why I've volunteered 
an insane number of my hours to to seg after but I, I i do i love the community i love the ability to create additional community within the union to make a change and to be shaping the industry because i think part of what gets lost or just under uh, misunderstood is the economy itself has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. Netflix did not exist. There was not streaming. Like yeah. it just didn't exist. And now they're spending billions of dollars on content. It is, and, and that shift over the course of a very short number of years is so, so, so crazy. And I think it's really important that we are being ahead of, the curve on that and paying attention to that and adjusting to the economy shifting. You know, I think often it's, it's sort of easy to blame casting or producers or the, or SAG after the, Oh, the union, blah, blah, blah. The, the economy has changed. Go ask anybody who works in book publishing or music or otherwise. And, and I take heart that uh, I think comparatively to you look at music or publishing or these other industries and I think entertainment actors, uh, broadcasters, you know, the people in SAG-AFTRA have actually, we've survived. Not that there hasn't been changes and that there aren't challenges, but when the economy itself has shifted so dramatically, I'm, I'm delighted that we've done as well as we have to maintain an industry uh, that I think is really important. I, I remember um, someone posting, uh, you know, back when, everything shut down at the beginning of, of COVID and otherwise, you know, they were saying the first thing people did was turn to entertainment and to art and to artists. Like yeah. that is where we turn as human beings. And so, you know, I love that art. And I think it's really important to also protect that business side of things. Completely. Cause that's how we continue to do what we love. Exactly. And that we can have more artists. Like that's my vision that there are more artists yeah. making money, sharing their art, sharing their message, creating these important things for their community. hundred percent. Um, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things that has come out of all of the streaming platforms is it's allowed all of these new voices to be heard and yeah. all of these new storytellers that were not necessarily fitting into CBS's mold or Fox's yeah. mold. And, but, you know, maybe they, they fit into Hulu or Netflix or HBO Max. And it's, it's really nice. And I think it's also given audiences something new to relate to as well. Um, now I want to go a little bit more in depth with SAG. You are the chair of the National Next Gen Committee. What are some of the resources and opportunity that Next Gen brings to the members? Yeah, so Next Gen Performers is a, a committee that was created by uh, a couple of my friends who actually had gotten me involved in SAG-AFTRA and, and were, have, have been involved in the union for, frankly, decades before I got involved. I mean, it was all older members who said, you know what, we see that there is nothing geared specifically towards the younger demographic of union members. So yeah. what can we do to energize, engage, and educate that younger demographic? And so they started Next Gen Performers and got it through uh, to actually become its own entity and, uh, and then reached out to me and Aubrey Mozino uh, to come in and basically take it, take it over and spearhead it and turn it into what it is now, which, you know, they're now Next Gen uh, committees all across the country. I think there's over a dozen total all over the United yeah. States and growing. So, you know, a number of things are our, our purpose. We do a lot of community related things. So bringing people together, again, just acting and, and 
this profession can be a little bit lonely. You know, you're, uh, when you're in between things and auditioning, you don't necessarily have coworkers that you're with every day and those other pieces and that, you know, we're artists, we're in this together and we, we do these things together. We come on set together, we make projects together. So creating opportunities for community as well as opportunities for education. So we do a lot of panels, uh, a lot of events, workshops. We've done things on diversity, making your own content, things on uh, dance, social media. I teach social media classes, you know, all these other pieces to support the community in furthering their careers. And, and that's a really important piece to me, as well as uh, the broader education to the, the larger entertainment community as a whole. So we do a lot on social media. Uh, you can follow NextGen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at NextGenPerformers on, on those. Twitter is at NextGenPerforms because of the character limit. And so putting out that education, those opportunities, both for union members, certainly, but also pre-union members, people who uh, you know, are, want to join the union at some point or aren't there in their career yet, but you know, I still want people to understand the, the resources that are available with SAG-AFTRA. And I, one of the things that I realized the more I got involved was there are so many things that are being done on our behalf as performers, sharing those things with the community so that people know, oh, there's all these things that the union is doing for me that I have available to me and making sure that people can take advantage of that. Amazing. All right, last question that we ask everyone on the podcast. What is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Buy Apple stock. Um, <laughs> That's the first time someone said that. <laughs> I, um, you know, the thing that I have learned that I would go back and remind myself is really around enjoying the journey mm. and practicing an attitude of gratitude throughout because it is so easy to get caught up in what's that next thing? What's that next thing? And I remember, I remember when I first moved to LA and I got my first audition, it was for like a satire rap video. The audition was in a park over in Santa Monica. And I was oh, so excited. I was like, Oh my God, I'm an actor in LA. I have an audition. I'm driving across town. Like, this is amazing. My life is the best. And you know, fast forward a decade and it's easy to get stuck in, oh man, like, when am I going to get my next guest star? And, you know, I've, I've never been a series regular and like, uh, that, that I lose that energy and excitement that I had at the beginning. Um, because the, the gift of the industry is you can always be chasing the next thing, but then you're always chasing the next thing and not enjoying the one that's there. So, so just that reminder to embrace and cherish each step of the journey, because if no booking, no agent, no manager is going to change that. I can't tell you how many of my clients or say, you know, well, if I could just book, you know, that one co-star, then I'd be good. And then I'll talk to them six months later and they booked a co-star. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, yeah, but, but now I need a co-star with a name. And then they get that and like, they're still not having, well, now, but I need a guest star. And now I need, now I need a top of show guest star. I really need to book that series. And now, well, that's really, I haven't been nominated for an Emmy. And like, you will go to your grave, never being happy, even though you've achieved all the things you said you wanted to achieve. Yeah. Well, ben, thank you so much for joining us. I also really appreciate you, you know, coming on here as a fellow homeschooler, you know. Absolutely. We got to represent yeah. the community. Showing, showing them proud, like, yes, homeschoolers, we'd be doing it. Um, but also, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all the, the insight with the social media, your own personal acting experience, and then the SAG after resources. I, I know 
you were one of my favorites when I, when I came into union service and started getting more involved, I was so thankful that I got to meet people like yourself. And I think that that's one thing that I want people to learn from the podcast and takeaway is just, there are so many people championing for you that you've never met and probably will never meet um, that are really working to better your career. And it's people like yourself. So thank you so much for sharing that. Go on. No, I, (laughs) I, I really appreciate that. And, and I acknowledge you for, taking taking your valuable time and energy to give back to the community. It's one of my favorite things that I see uh, happening and it makes me delighted every every instance where it comes up of artists supporting other artists and yeah. giving back to the community and sharing and helping educate people and that, you know, all all boats rise with the tide. And so I love, love that you're doing this and I appreciate the opportunity. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening and to my guest today, Ben Whitehair. If you want to learn more about Ben's companies that we were talking about today, you can visit tsmaconsulting.com or working.actor. And if you're interested in union service, you can visit sagafter.org to learn more or search NextGen to learn more about the resources and opportunities that NextGen provides for the young members of SAG-AFTRA. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is What's My Frame.